Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Monday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code LOHORNETS when you download the free SeatGeek app and get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. David, welcome back. Doug, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's yeah, so good to it's so good to see you. It's so good to hear your voice. Um, no, you know what's so good is that we are. I, I feel fully recapped now. We've done our player recaps. We've talked about uh, the year that was, and now we can officially say we are looking towards the future, the off season, the year two thousand, the draft. I'm ready. Do you feel like you've properly put it to bed? The, the last season, it's it's over. It's done with. You're good with it now. I do. I do. I feel like I've yeah, put it to bed. I've read it a bedtime story. It's over. It's it, We're ready to go and do some you, draft you, coverage, and we're going to do that. You thought about smothering it with a pillow, but, then you just... <laughs> but it is my child, and I love it. <laughs> uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes and search Locked On and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Let's start with a little news, David, looking uh, forward to the future. Charlotte is hiring Brooklyn player development coach Mike Batiste as an assistant coach. League sources are telling the vertical uh, Batiste will be working to fill a hole left when associate head coach Patrick Ewing left to coach Georgetown. David, we haven't gotten official word, but I think we can expect Stephen Silas to be promoted to associate head coach if he remains uh, with the team. So what do you think about this signing, Mike Batiste? Makes sense, right? I mean, this guy supposedly has good a uh, track record with like uh, you know development with guys from Europe and and um, kind of fostering those younger players, which I think is good, right? The Hornets kind of need to expand their their reach as much as possible. So, um, uh, anytime you can bring in somebody who you know maybe can add that another level of like you know relatability to some of those guys, that's good, I think. Yeah, uh, Batiste played college basketball for Long Beach City College and Arizona State University. He led the Pac-10 Conference in block shots during the 97-98 season and was named first-team All-Pac-10 for the 98-99 season and had some success overseas as well uh, with a few Greek teams. So he's a shot blocker, so you know that he uh, you know knows a thing or two about big play and he can step into that uh, again step into that hole that was left when Patrick Ewing right. left so that's good because we were kind of wondering about that David who would step in and start they working need some, they're they gonna need, need some uh, some help yeah yeah and, and they're gonna be looking for a shot blocker as well and hopefully getting some more shot blocking help from the bigs that they have on the roster uh, right now 
Okay, let's uh, move on to the draft combine, day one and day two uh, in the books. And uh, we want to kind of just recap everything that happened. David, uh, what you got out of the draft combine? What are some things that people need to know? Well, the biggest thing was that uh, some people don't go to the draft combine, apparently, Doug. I mean, that's Ooh. all the rage. That's all the talk that I heard last week, right? Which is kind of weird. I mean, I guess, you know, you get it, right? If you're If you're a top pick. And you don't want to do the drills and show up. I guess you don't want to. You know, you don't want to knock anything. But I think the 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 the, uh, the main thing that coming out of that conversation for me was what people were saying, and that the agents have so much power in this whole process, right? Like they don't want them to go, not even to interview, not even to show up. Like the first NBA thing that these guys are going to go to, and they just they just don't show up, which is is kind of weird, right? I mean, this is where the league and the teams. Maybe the only shot to talk to some of these guys, which I get it, is what the agents want to avoid. But, like, the measurements, the physicals, and all that stuff, like, this is a chance. It seems like the league would be like, hey, we need all the teams, basically, to have an equal shot at getting the same information, right? That's the kind of thing that sticks out to me. Like, you don't have to go do the drills and play, you know, uh, five-on-five or whatever. But showing up seems like a thing that, you know, you, you could do. So uh, eight of the top 15 on Chad Ford's big board did nothing at the draft combine. Uh, Markel Fultz and De'Aaron Fox did measurements and interviews. A majority of the top 30 uh, are not doing or did not do five on five. And a lot of players like did some work in day one and then decided that they had done enough and did not do day two. And then a lot of players uh, skipped some of the medical testing as well. And yeah, David, I mean, it makes you wonder – whether or not the yeah. draft combine is even well, because David, like, I think it's all risk aversion. Okay, you've got a hundred, yeah, yeah, you've totally. got a, you've got one hundred and thirty-seven underclassmen declaring for the draft uh, this year. There's only sixty spots in the draft. Uh, I mean, yeah, so, from that standpoint, I totally get it, the agents. But doesn't it behoove everyone to know what's what with these guys from a physical standpoint? Not really. I mean, it well, for it's certain, not good for the league for certain, and for the teams. Well, for the for no, I'm, t- I'm just talking about the players, the, the oh, players yeah. themselves. Great. I mean, this is all this is all about getting them. Uh, it's not, and it's not necessarily about because you you would think like why why wouldn't that person go and measure, especially some of those top guys that are jockeying for just a few extra positions. Why mm-hmm. would they not go and and try to move up a couple of spots in people's draft boards? And I think it's because so much of this now is about fit. It's not necessarily about what position is this player drafted in. They the agents are trying to get their players moved to the right team. I'm all for that. I mean, that makes sense. That's that's good for everyone. I just it's it's a, it's an odd scenario, I think. And I I get what you're saying. Of course, of course, that's the reason. I get it. I just think there does need to be some sort of I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's a mandate. I don't know what they can do. I guess if they put something in the CBA. But um, it's it all comes down to what these agents, like you said, how they're jockeying their players for for the right fit, which is which is which is good. I just feel like as a league, you're like you're you're hamstringing some of these teams, and if you don't even know where these guys are from a physical standpoint until like you get them in, you know, and, and they're not going to interview with all these teams, right? Like that's another thing the agents control. So they're not going to if they've never seen these guys, you know, they can of course still draft them, but I don't know, like all the all the smoke and mirrors, it's just like a 
it's just a weird scenario. Well, I think, yeah, I think they could step in and do something in the CBA in terms of, uh, in terms of the interviews and in terms of the measurements, but I'm not sure yeah. what they, like, I wouldn't want them to be forced to do five on five. No, and I don't think anyone's young for that. I, I'm not either. I think the interviews and the measurements, right? Like that, I think you maybe should have to do that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the players that we did see at the Combine. I was really impressed with Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville. He's projected right now to go 12, one spot below uh, what the Hornets are expected to be drafting in 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 the 11th spot. His Mm -hmm. measurements really impressed people. Uh, he was in the tops. He was tops in the three-quarter court sprint and the standing vertical. Uh, Draft Express said that among backcourt prospects, Donovan Mitchell was perhaps the most impressive physical specimen. He was six-three uh, in shoes, so he's shorter, but he's got a six-ten wingspan for a guy six-three. That's pretty incredible, and he has a two hundred and eleven-pound frame. I mean, we're kind of talking. He's got a little bit of a. Eric Bledsoe kind of thing going on. Carries only 5.9% body fat. Okay. Similar dimensions to Tony Allen and Victor Oladipo. Very interesting. So, so an athletic guy, something we've been calling for the Hornets to add, right? Yeah, I think that's going to be a running theme in our draft analysis is that uh, both you and I are screaming for the Hornets to select someone that has athleticism um, De'Aaron Fox came in underweight, but he's moving up draft boards. Kentucky had him, listen to this, David. Kentucky had him listed at 187 pounds. He weighed in at 171. <laughs> all these, all team measurements That's are lost. That's why it's important, right? I mean, you know, a couple pounds here or there, but like, uh, that's, you know, you want to get as clear a picture as you can. Think about all the work the NFL does at their combine and putting in all the scrutiny that goes to these players so they can have as much information as possible. It just seems like that makes sense. Well, it's funny because so all of the college team measurements are going to be lies until the combine, and then you get some some realistic measurements. And then then they get drafted, and then their new team starts to fudge with the numbers. Then they get their new numbers, yeah. (laughs) That's fine. Once you have them in-house, you can make your numbers whatever they want. But that's the other thing, right? Like I think if you don't get through the physical here – then you can – I think it's then – isn't it mandated then, again, by the player and the, the agent or whomever, right? Like they can then uh, give those measurements to the team or not, right? So, like, the team really has to go off of either, like you said, what they were measured in in college or what the agent provides them if they didn't measure them at the combine or they didn't have them in-house. The bottom line is, David, that uh, all of these combine dropouts are trying to keep up the mystery, and sometimes that can be a good thing, and sometimes that can can be a bad thing. It's a bad thing when you're trying to buy tickets online for sports and concerts. It's been a confusing process Uh for a long time. A lot of mystery here. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that gamer show you want to go to, and the problem is none of the older ticket sites want to do anything about it. But our friends at SeatGeek, well, they're different. They've come along and created an amazing app and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets because they do all the work for you. They collect all of these other ticket sites and show you where the best deals are. You save time, you save money. And it's easier than ever with the free SeatGeek app. And here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate 
off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, here's what you do. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. One guy that's really raising some eyebrows, I think, over the weekend, this kid from Kentucky who could be the first none and done. I love it. Uh, Hamadou Diallo. Mm-hmm. Apologies if I butchered that, but the guy no. jumped off of the charts. I mean, literally, I think the second highest vertical in combine history. Um, and he, and basically, he rolled early at Kentucky, right, in January. I guess practiced with the team, did whatever you do uh, <laughs> from January to april um as a member of the kentucky basketball team if you can't really play in games and uh looking to go so i think i think they had him around like the end of the first round maybe a second rounder before this jump and and who knows where he could end up now but you're talking about athleticism um he he appears to have that too and so um you know I, i don't know if he could jump up to where the hornets are drafting or if they would take that big a swing but certainly somebody that guys the teams are going to be looking at now There are also some other guards that are sneaking up draft boards after the combine, including Derek White. And Derek White really interests me right now. He's a combo guard that has a build that I think would complement Kemba Walker very well. He is older at 23 years old, but he impressed last season at Colorado. That was his first year playing D1 ball after transferring from D2. He came in at 6'4", 190 with a 6'7 and a half wingspan. That's kind of, um, you could imagine him as like a Drew Holiday type of, mm-hmm. of physical player. Uh, he can guard on the perimeter. He has a very confident and fluid jump shot, and he shot 40% from three last season, and his agility and vertical testing were very good. I like uh, I like Derek White as a lengthy, could be backup point guard, but you could also, even though he is a little on the short side at 6'4", I think you could still play him alongside Kimba Walker. Uh, Derek White could be sneaking up the draft board, probably not going to get to the 11th spot, but it's somebody, mm-hmm. if the Hornets, and I think we're going to be talking a lot about this too, if the Hornets decided to trade back, not necessarily yeah. trade out of the first round, but trade back, there are going to be some interesting prospects that they can look at um, later on in the first round. Let's move on to the first in a series of draft profiles that we will be doing over the next few weeks. Uh, first up, Dennis Smith, point guard out of uh, NC State University, projected to go in the top 10 right now. I spoke to Stephen Muma of Backing the Pack, the SB Nation blog on the NC State Wolfpack, on what uh, he and others thought of Dennis Smith's one year at NC State. I think the first thing that's readily apparent is just his athletic superiority. He's he's really explosive off the dribble. I mean, that was one of those things that everybody talked about as he was, you know, getting ready to come into college. And, you know, it was one of those things that I guess some people were probably a little concerned that he might lose a step because of the knee injury that he suffered uh, his right before his senior year in high school. But uh, that does not appear to have had any ill effect on him whatsoever. I mean, he's he's still great off the bounce. That's probably the strength of his the biggest strength of his game steven you got a full year to check out dennis smith what are some of the weaknesses you think in his game that some scouts maybe some teams would be worried about as well it's always tough after after one year especially when the year goes as poorly as it did at nc state this season but uh certainly you could look at his effort was inconsistent at times um is that a product of 
the player or is that a product of the season? That's the hard part to tell because the, the year really went south uh, in February. They went on, had a long losing streak. Um, so it could be partly a product of that. But certainly he, he tends to get lost a little bit on defense at times. The effort's not always there on every single play. Um, his jump shot, I thought, was actually better than I expected. But uh, I don't know how well that's going to translate immediately to the uh, you know, the longer-range three-pointer in the NBA. Now, Stephen, what would you say would be the one thing that you really learned about Dennis Smith in his one season there at NC State? I learned that he's really, really good at basketball, and someone should draft him really, really high. Uh, I mean, the, the kid is uh, eventually, I think, I think this year was tough for him mentally. Um, I'm not sure that he, that he handled that particularly well, but hey, he's still a teenager. That's that's okay. Uh, he's not used to, I don't think he's used to playing on a team that is so unsuccessful like this. So I think that was a bit of a shock to his system. Um, he kind of was anointed as a leader on the team right away, you know, he's just as a freshman. So that's tough. Uh, it didn't quite work out too well, I don't think, from that standpoint. But, I mean, he's still got all the tools. Uh, it's It's all there. The knee injury, to me, is a non-factor. I think uh, he's a he looks like a better jump shooter to me. He could probably improve on his passing a bit, um, but man, he's got the potential to to score score in bunches just for anybody at any level. If you could pick an ideal role or an ideal fit for Dennis Smith, what do you think it would be in the NBA? I think he'll eventually. I don't know if it'll he'll get there right away, but I think uh, he can certainly be a lead guard at the next level without a question about that he's steven muma editor of backing the pack the sb nation blog on the nc state Wolfpack. steven great stuff thanks for joining us great no problem Big thanks to Stephen Muma there. You can follow him on backingthepack.com or on Twitter at Akula Wolf, A-K-U-L-A Wolf on Twitter. Okay, David, you heard some of the strengths, some of the weaknesses. What do you think is the fit for the Hornets uh, with Dennis Smith? Oh, man, I think it's obvious he could slide right in in that backup point guard uh, behind Kimba, and that's a major hole that the Hornets will be trying to fill. You know what I like about some of the comments there? Uh, that we heard on Jenna Smith. Well, the first big thing I think is the injury is not a concern. Um, I don't know. You know, we didn't watch a ton of NC state last year, but um, I do think, you know, I was talking to my brother who is a massive NC state fan. He said he was hurt, you know, we're coming off that injury for much of the year, but still looked pretty good uh, to me when I saw him. The other thing I liked in those comments was the ability to score in bunches, Doug. And um, you know, for a young guy coming out, I thought he was really, still explosive as well. So like the injury thing and and the ability to score and the, the one eyebrow raiser that I wanted to get your thoughts on as we can discuss it is eventually uh, he does project. It seems to be a lead guard, you know, in the NBA, like he could eventually take over that role. So that would be a question, I guess the Hornets would face. um, Should they be in a position to draft Smith, like where exactly they may see him and the future for Kimba down the road. But, um, I got a little excited last night seeing uh, Chad Ford's big board and, and Smith was in that around that eighth spot, right? That's getting kind of close to 11 and we'll know more after the uh, NBA draft lottery. But um, all of the positives there I'm excited about because that's what I want to see. And, and especially a lead guard coming into the NBA today, 
ability to score in bunches and explosiveness, I think, is is what you're looking for. Yeah, and I think right now he sits sort of at the bottom of the tier one of of yep. those point guards. He would be him and Frank uh, Nilakina. Uh, those two are, will be battling there probably in, in the top 10. One of those guys could certainly fall to yes. the Hornets at 11, and they have to be prepared at that point to make a decision. Um, but I really liked uh, Dennis Smith. I like uh, his ability to score the basketball. I like his explosion. He reminds me, you're going to like this, David. He reminds me a little bit of Baron Davis. He's got that ability uh, to, to rock the rim, and, and his explosion is just amazing, especially when That's... you consider that he was coming off of an ACL tear. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty good comp. That's yeah, a good comp. Yeah, and there's some questions. Here's the thing. There's some questions about his effort defensively and, and those. Yeah, you, the care. thing is, he came off an ACL injury, okay? And, so, he, and, so he's, and where he was playing, it was a bit of a disaster, especially like mid-year. Right, but that, that assuages a little bit of my fear because um, he – you know, to come off an injury like that and play as well as he did in that freshman year tells me that this kid works. You know, yep. this kid knows the deal. And I, I think it's just a situation that, that he was in and, and understanding, like, you know, I, I need he, – he wanted to showcase his offensive game, uh, but he could really put the ball pressure uh, when they needed it. And and I think that's something that will work itself out, uh, you know, as, as he develops. But I, I think you have a good point, David. That you know, it's all about fit. So would would he fit? You know, coming off the bench. I mean, I th- maybe he wants to make an impact with a franchise right away. Uh, would he be comfortable coming off the bench? I think is a, right. a very legitimate question. Another legitimate question that's being asked about Dennis Smith is about that Wolfpack record at fifteen and seventeen to end the year. And as good as he was. He he could not sort of lift uh, NC State out of their malaise, and NC State was projected uh, to to play uh, really well. And they had good non conference uh, play, and then got into the ACC and got absolutely wrecked. So, how much of that do you do? Would you put on a guy like Dennis Smith? Not much. I mean, I think Godfrey had, had a interesting run there at NC State. I was never really a huge fan of him. So um, I don't put a ton of that on a freshman point guard, you know, trying to come in. Uh, the effort thing, I mean, obviously that's like a bit of a concern, I guess. But again, I just think that the situation there was not good, especially down the stretch. Um, you had a couple other guys that were, I think, surprises that chose to leave. Maybe that had been after the fact that Godfrey, you know, had, had moved on or had been let go. But um, well, of course it was. I think he was fired like midseason and then coached the rest of the year. So just a weird situation. Um, and I, I don't place a lot of that on on Dennis Smith trying to be a freshman point guard, like competing in the toughest conference in basketball against, you know, experienced point guards. That would be one thing that I would say maybe um, in some of those matchups, especially like against Carolina and against a Joel Berry. I mean, Berry got the best of him. Um, I think, and it wasn't too tough for him. So you can see the experience factor there is different, and I guess you expect that between the difference between a, a seasoned guy and Barry, and and a young freshman and Dennis Smith. But I think you've got to be excited for this upside, Doug. And the more that you've watched on him, I think the more that you sounds like you've come on board with like the possibility of just. The potential of having him there would be would be pretty nice for the Hornets. Well, and that's what it is. It's upside. I, I think when you look at the fact that he is six three and that he doesn't have you know a huge reach, uh, you start to get concerned about pairing him with Kimball Walker in that backcourt at some yeah. point in the defense, and what would that mean? But I think 
you know, we talk about this all the time. And these drafts are, are they're such crapshoots uh, that when oh. you start to when you start to project things out three, four years down the line, you're doing yourself a disservice. If the best sure. player available is Dennis Smith and he's sitting at eleven, th- then you take and, that and you guy. Need, you need him, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need athleticism. You need explosion. You need. I mean, it would be nice to have someone that could rock the rim. That's not Cody Zeller. It would, <laughs> right. it would it would break a little bit more fun uh, uh, to to the roster, and I think uh, I think uh, that's that's valuable as well. But yeah, I, I really like his his potential. Yeah, and one thing that you know, I think he still can improve on is the shooting, right? But like you mentioned, the crapshoot that is the draft, and I think you try and find your shooting if you can get a shooter on the draft. Obviously, that's great, but I think you try and find your shooting from established guys, free agents, and develop that. Like that's not a big concern with me with basically any of these guys coming out unless like you're known as a shooter right if it's um if it's our guy monk then you know you want him to be able to shoot but like for everyone else especially smith and who's going to be a lead guard you're not concerned about the fact that he didn't shoot the ball that great his morning year in, in college right well let's talk about this so what do what do the hornets need at this they moment of time, not ne- not necessarily <laughs> in the draft but just overall they they need a backup point guard yep they need three point shooting. Three point shooting, basically, uh, some three and D essentially mm-hmm. at the wing mm-hmm. position, mm-hmm. and then a shot blocker down low. There will be yeah. as much as we are are fretting some of these projections about Zach Collins. I mean, uh, Zach right. Collins is a sh- is a shot blocker. Dennis Smith is an athletic and, backup point and he, guard, and he could be a potential stretch. You know, five, whatever. The other thing I, I wanted to mention, David, is that when we talk about some of these backup point guard solutions in the draft, it doesn't it doesn't really jive with what we know about Steve Clifford and wanting uh, you know a guy that knows how to run an NBA system and and how yep. how how much trust he wants to put at, at the point guard position. But at the same time, I look at some of the free agents that are going to be available at the point guard position, and it does not give me heart. Right. You know, yeah. I, I really, I really think they may have to address this point guard situation in the draft, whether it be, um, you know, moving up or or moving back to to get a guy like Derek White. I really feel like they've got to fall in love with a point guard. I, I'm not convinced that any other that any other selection makes any sense for them at this point, uh, unless it's again where it's a, a, a best player available kind of situation where you look at it and go, okay. Um, you know, I, we're forced to we're forced to take this this player. Um, but I just I yeah. don't know about these free agent. Uh, you know, it's guys like it's guys that are either too expensive, like a Patty Mills, uh, because remember mm-hmm. they have only got the the mid level and then the biannual. So mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be uh, the, the the options are going to be limited at the point guard position. I think it's a big drop off from some of the guys that are going to be too, more expensive than the mid-level uh, to, to where it drops off, which is, it starts with about Ty Lawson. That's the starting point. That's not a great starting point. No, but it's interesting. I mean, that's one guy that I had my eye on because he's making like, what, he made like a million dollars last year. And he's obviously a, a full-blown reclamation project at this point. So, yeah, that's um, if you can shore that up in the draft, you can kind of check that box. I think even though it is with a younger, inexperienced guy, you know, maybe Clifford, you know, dipped his dipped his toe in the in the inexperienced point guard waters a little bit at the end of last year. Didn't love it, <laughs> I don't think, but at least he gave Briante, you know, a couple looks when he had to. We'll see. 
A reminder to everyone out there that the draft lottery is tomorrow night at 8 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. I believe the actual lottery begins at 8.30, but coverage will start at 8. Yeah, it's 30 minutes of sweet draft lottery coverage. This is some of the worst. uh, I hate watching uh, every year. This is, oh. It's the worst. The build up and they interview whomever the team rep is and they ask him, you know, ask him or her some asinine question and try and just string. I may, I may second screen it with some master of none. I'm about That's halfway, it. halfway oh. through the season now. Uh, it's we'll so good. It. It's, it's, so good. it's my t- most it's delight. Yeah, it's my best recommendation right now. Uh, the Hornets it, have yeah. the Hornets have less than a one percent chance of getting the first or second pick, and a one point two percent chance of getting the number three pick. So you're saying there's a chance if yeah. picks uh, twelve through fourteen hold, the Hornets will be picking eleventh. Uh, so get out your lucky charms. We'll talk a little bit more about this uh, tomorrow morning. Until then, uh, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Use our promo code LOHORNETS on the SeatGeek app for $20 off your first purchase. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow for David. I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's win the lottery. And let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.